Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Uh, I've chosen today a, a really interesting sermon title that will make a whole lot more sense uh, as we move through the message, okay? Uh, uh, today, uh, our message title is simply this, Don't Be a Bonsai. In your relationships, in your interpersonal relationships, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in your friendships, don't be a bonsai. And it's going to make a whole lot more sense here momentarily. So let's turn to our anchor text that we've lifted from Mark chapter number three. Mark chapter number three, we're in a series called Squad Goals, Squad Goals, and this is our anchor text for the series. This text will give us context to what we are about to share because I believe that it is God's will, it is his purpose, it is his design that we have quality relationships on every level. Amen. God wants us to thrive. He wants us to flourish in all of our interpersonal relationships. And I believe the scriptures give us the blueprint for how to do relationships well. Uh, Beginning with Jesus, and the squad that he chose, his inner circle, these were the 12 men who walked in closest proximity to him. And this is where we're going to land uh, this morning for our message. All right. Are y'all with me? Uh, Let's look at verse, uh, beginning at verse number 14. The scripture records this account beginning in verse 14 with these words. And he went up on the mountain and he called to him, those he himself wanted. Relationships are and must be intentional. Jesus himself selected those he himself wanted. This was not a result of someone forcing him to choose these people. This was not a result of any pressure from anyone else. In fact, in another gospel, the scripture says that Jesus spent all night in prayer. And he came out of this place of prayer after having sought the face of God concerning these men who would not only walk with him, but these were the men he was going to entrust the church to. And he comes out of that place of prayer and he chooses out of the multitudes who followed him, 12. Now, remember, when you read the Gospels, you'll find that there were multitudes who followed Jesus. And then it talks about 70 who followed Jesus. And here... We are introduced to the 12 who walked closest to him. Now, we can even parse that even further because there were not only 12 disciples. There were three, Peter, James, and John, who got to see things of Jesus that nobody else got to see. But of the three, there was one, John the Beloved, who was the only disciple of the 12 who came all the way to the cross. Come on, somebody. I want to spend some time there, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay focused. Everybody say, stay focused, Pastor Ray. But notice, Jesus intentionally chose these 12 men. It wasn't random. It wasn't haphazard. It was the result of much prayer, much forethought, and much consideration. And he begins to pick these 12, those he himself wanted. It was not only intentional, but it was an invitation. In fact, that's what we do with relationships. We are choosing people and we are intentionally inviting them into our lives. Not just to see and observe the best of us, but true friendships are transparent and vulnerable enough that we allow people to see the worst in us. And hence, the true measure of love. Because when you really love someone, you will believe the best even when the worst has been displayed. Most of us have relationships that are just comfortable, that are just convenient. But we don't prepare for the conflict. And most of us avoid relationships because an inevitable reality of life is that once you invite somebody into your space, there will be conflict. I love what Bob Marley said. He said it this way. He says, most people are going to hurt you. You You just have to decide whether they're willing to suffer for it. All 12 of these guys, save one, abandoned Jesus in his most vulnerable hour. 
but these were the 12 men that he chose. I began to ask myself, what's the criteria for the choices that I make with friendships? Because as I look at this list, if Jesus was the hiring manager at any major corporation, it would have fired him day one. Because these 12 jokers that he hired were not necessarily the dream team. But he did it after much prayer. And he did it after having sought the Lord. And he did it, did it after much consideration. So, so, so I was fascinated by the why. Why would Jesus choose these 12? And it began to challenge me as far as it relates to my idea of how I choose the people I want to do life with. And uh, we'll talk about this whole bonsai idea here shortly. But here we go. If, if, check this out. Jesus doesn't only get the first round pick in the draft. He gets to pick the first 12 in the whole draft. And this is his squad. If you were the general manager of the Dallas Mavericks, you could just pick any, well, just pick any five. Just pick any five right now. It could be professional players that are playing now or college players. Who would pick, would you pick? Incredible squad, right? Incredibly talented squad. I think that's what most of us would do, go after the most talented, uh, the most gifted players, because putting the most talented and the most gifted players usually puts you at an advantage. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't choose the best players. He chose average, ordinary Joes. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because I think that will help us in the decisions that we make going forward and the people we, we invite into our lives who will ultimately help to enrich our lives. Are you all ready? Here we go. The text begins in verse 14, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Remember, he invited them, and they accepted the invitation. You've got to realize that not everybody you invite to the table will accept the invitation because some people will misperceive you, and based on how they see you, they can miss a life-altering, a life-defining opportunity because they don't value the God in you, but that's okay. That's okay. He called them, and they came to him. The people you will attract into your life are going to be the people who understand and perceive who you truly are. Okay, so now, here's the 12. Then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Remember, last week we said uh, relationships must first of all be intentional, but they must be transformational. Are people better off having spent time with you, having come into your presence? Uh, one of my mentors would say it this way, there's only two kinds of people in the world, energy producers and energy demanders. And when people come into your sphere, when people come into your orbit, are they better having spent time with you or are you an energy demander who drains all the people that come your way? Notice, Jesus gave them the first instruction that they might be with him. Before he sent them out, he said, y'all just come hang out with me for a while. And out of hanging out with Jesus, out of that place of intimacy, they were empowered to change their world. Let me tell you something. I know we're talking about Jesus, but let me just brag on my mama for a second. The calls that we have gotten from across the country and even overseas just blew my mind. Blew my earthly mind. As people started to tell stories that I had no clue, no clue that my mom had touched that many Lives, man, blew my mind. In fact, uh, uh, people were calling me and putting their kids on the phone. And they started crying. They said, what are we going to do without Mama Wisu? She called us every morning 
as we walked to school to make sure we would get there safely. And I, look, listen to me now. This isn't just one kid in Maryland. This is all these moms saying their kids are devastated. My other friend called me. I hadn't seen a dude in over 20 years, heard my mom had passed. He called all the guys on our basketball team when we lived in Sierra Leone. This is 20 plus years. And they said, we're all flying out there because she was our mama too. Why am I saying that? My mom was influencing and touching lives without a position, without a title. All she was, let me, let me put it, all she was for those of us who push against God's calling on our lives. All she was was a housewife. All she was was a homemaker whose primary responsibility was to raise her kids, yet her legacy transcends even people who had the most lofty titles. In fact, George Washington said it this way, all I am, or Abraham Lincoln, I owe to my mother. You know why Abraham Lincoln was the man he was? Because of his mama. And my question is, can we be transformational and influence lives without a title? Because most of us wait on a position most of us wait on a title before we make a difference. How about you start influencing and impacting your world, your generation, right where you are? That's how my mom lived. And that's how Jesus lived. That when you invite people into your world, are they better having crossed paths with you? Now, notice the people he invited now. Y'all ready for this? interesting, and I don't have time to talk about each of them. I really want us to, to take some time to reconsider how we do friendships because Jesus challenges our conventional thinking. Baby, I'm going to let you jump in in a second. Come on, somebody. I found my he rhythm. And, uh, no, go he ahead, didn't go preach ahead. last week, so yeah. he's got overplus in him. You should have seen him. We, we were invited to do a, a marriage weekend last night. They asked him one question, and I said, oh, I forgot he didn't preach last week. So She was tugging on my jacket and all that. <laughs> I want them to invite us another time. So anyway, right, right, I'm going right. to let you get it all out today. So here we go. Here's Jesus' dream team. Y'all ready for it? Here's his dream team. He's got the first 12 picks in the draft, and these are the guys he hand selects. Number one, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. Can I just start with his first pick in the first round of the draft? Of all the people that Jesus could have picked, he started his team with a guy who had anger issues. He started his team with a guy who was a know-it-all. He started his team who, with a guy who was the first to speak, and he was often loud and Wrong. Anybody got any friends in your life who got some anger issues? <laughs> Anybody got some people in your life who? Right. And he cussed. He could cuss too. Thank you for reminding me. How many would say you avoid people with anger issues and people who cuss and people who are always first to speak? But notice the first person that Jesus told, chose to be on his team was a guy who had very notable, noticeable flaws. Not only could he cuss, not only did he have anger issues, not only was he always first to speak. In fact, one time Jesus had to rebuke him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't even know what you're talking about. And this was his first round pick. Not only that, not only that, but when Jesus needed him most, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and the people started saying, hey, man, I know you. You were Jesus' first round pick. Three times, he denied Jesus. 
Yet this was the man that Jesus chose to be his first round draft pick. A man with anger issues. And someone who would betray. Anybody in the room ever been betrayed? You don't even have to raise your hand. By someone who was in your inner circle, you, they, they betrayed a confidence. Uh, uh, you trusted them with, with information, trusted them with your vulnerability, and they betrayed you. Or they left you hanging when you needed them the most. Why would Jesus, who is omniscient, meaning who is all-knowing, choose somebody and invest in somebody for three and a half years only to know that at the end of three and a half years, he's going to betray me when I need him the most. Somebody say squad goals. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, oh, here's the other guy. Seemed like Jesus was on the roll because James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. Remember the scripture called him what? What was that nickname? Sons of Thunder. Because they were a lot like Peter. They were bold, they were brash, and they too had anger issues. Not only that, not only that, yo, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me take it up a notch. All right, because some of us have Peters in our orbit, but some of us have James and Johns, the sons of Zebedee. Now, what's notable about these guys is remember what their mother did when Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom, and their mother says, uh, "When you come to your kingdom." make sure James sits on your right hand and John on your left. Anybody got some ambitious friends in their life? Friends who maybe use you just to get ahead? Who might use you just so uh, their association will give them an advantage? That's who Jesus invited to the team. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Okay, uh, let's, let's continue. Uh, there's Andrew, and then there's Philip, and then there's Bartholomew. I'm not going to say anything, a whole lot about them because we got to go fast. But then he chose Matthew. Why would he choose Matthew? Because Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors were seen as traitors in Israel. You know why? Because they were Jews who were working for the Roman government. And a lot of times they were charging more taxes than what the people actually should have paid. So most tax collectors had a reputation for, number one, being traitors because they worked for the enemy. And then number two, because they were dishonest and corrupt. But Jesus says, I want you on my team. Lord Jesus, what are you doing? Because if these are the people, these are the people that you're going to choose, what are you saying to us about what our squad should look like? I'm just wondering today if maybe God wants to challenge our conventional thinking about who we invite to the table to be with us. Because again, relationships are intentional, but they are also transformational. What if God has put you in close proximity to a Peter or a James or a Matthew or now even a Thomas because of how you can influence and transform them? Most of us make our choices about relationships based on what people can do for us. Most of us choose uh, our friends and our relationships based on how well we can manage the tension and the drama that we could potentially experience by choosing the wrong people. Let me tell you, this team right here was filled with drama from day one. Yeah, that's the people Jesus chose. I'm going somewhere with this. Then, then he chose, here's the next one. Then he chose Thomas. Anybody know what Thomas was notable for? What he's noted for in all the scripture? Some of you may have some Thomases on your squad who are, it's like, have you ever met somebody who was just negative? No matter how good things were, they had something negative to say or had something to say about why this ain't going to work. Anybody got any uh, trust but verify friends in their life? I trust you but verify that. Thomas was one of them. Yet Jesus invited him to his team. I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. 
Oh, then he took Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Oh, this one, this one is, is huge. He chose Simon the Zealot. Let me tell you what a zealot was. A zealot was a political activist on steroids. Radical Zionist. Now you read that and say, okay, Jesus chose somebody who was loyal to the nation of Israel, but why would he put Simon on the same team as Matthew, the traitor? Can you imagine every time Matthew, the tax collector, saw Simon, the political actor? Let me tell you something. It was like putting an ultra-liberal and an ultra-conservative on the same team. In fact, Simon saw Matthew and everybody like him as despicable. Why would Jesus put two people who hated each other on that team? Yo, anybody, got, anybody got friends like that? Where, where you got friends that hate each other? Some of y'all nodded. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And y'all keep them separate. Meaning, when I'm hanging out with you, she can't be there. And when I'm hanging out with him, that dude can't be, that's what exactly what Jesus is doing. But these are, this is his all-star team. Speaking of all-star, anybody watch the slam dunk contest? Does anybody care? I didn't see it. Nobody cares anymore. There was a time, man, when that slam dunk contest, man, was the highlight of the entire, I mean, people were glued to the TV. Nobody watched it. I don't know. Dennis Smith Jr. was in it. Somebody else. I didn't even watch it. None of y'all watched it, did you? You did, Ashley? Who won? She doesn't even know. <laughs> the kid from Oklahoma? Was it good? Is I. Okay. Okay, I digress. Because I'm going somewhere with this. Did I say that already? Simon the Canaanite, and to top it all off, he chose Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. For 30 pieces of silver, the going rate for a Jewish slave. These are the 12 people that Jesus invited to his team. So, so, so you say, Pastor Ray, what is this all about? Let me tell you what it's all about. If you are going to have a quality squad, Y'all ready for this? It must be inclusive. Most of us build our squads based on exclusivity. Most of us build our squads not only on exclusivity about who we can keep out of our tight little group, but we also build our squads based on similarity. They like what I like. They do what I do. They go where I go. So that's who I want to spend all my time with. And we miss out on the fact that when Jesus chose his squad, he didn't just choose people who were like him. He chose people who were very different from him. And let me tell you why most of us miss it when it comes to our squad. Our squads are based on unison, not unity. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Ray? There is a difference between something that is in unison and something that is in unity. Where the keyboard player? Did he have to leave? Marcus, why don't you come down real quick? No, I'll do it. Is this keyboard on? Come on, somebody. Y'all don't know your pastor got skills, did you? Okay, is this all the way up? Can y'all hear this? Can y'all hear that? Okay. So, so this is the way most of us build. Pastor Wendy, I promise you I'm going to let you jump in. <laughs> I promise you. So this is the way most of us build our relationships, right? This is a, this is a C. I want it louder. All right, so that's a C. So just imagine you are this C, right? Uh, this C note, and then you want to add some friendships to your life. 
What most of us do is we look for relationships that are in unison. So what we do is I'm a C, so I want another C, right? Right? So one is a little bit of a higher octave, but it's the exact same note. In music, when they say sing in unison, it means everybody sing the same note, sing the same melody. And that's the way most of our friendships look like. The exact same note. Our relationships look like the Stepford Wives. Everything about who we are and our friendships are predictable. We all say the same thing. We finish each other's uh, 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 sentences. We know exactly what we like to do. We uh, shop at the same places, same handbags, same purses. And all we have is unison. You add somebody else and you add another C and now it sounds like this. So now it's every, all C's but it's just a little bit of a higher octave and then you add another friend. Everybody's saying the same thing, doing the same thing. And we good because there's no friction. Everybody like each other. Everybody getting along. When Jesus chooses his dream team, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm a C. All right, I'm a C. But I'm going to add, I'm going to add Peter, who's got anger issues. Y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that second note? It's not just this, but now it's no longer unison. Now there's unity because this E note works in harmony with the C note. That means there are people in your life that are not going to sound the same as you, but they complement you. You need the difference in your life so that your life won't be unison. It will be harmony. So then you invite another friend and they add that note to your life. That's the G note. And so when Jesus is building his team, he's not just building his team based on who is like me. He's not building his team on exclusivity. He's building his team on inclusion. People who can challenge him. People who think differently than him. People who don't necessarily sound like him, but they compliment him. Jesus wants our lives to sound like this. The problem is, in our squads, we just want people who look, sound, think, vote exactly like we do. And Jesus says those relationships are not transformational because they're all the same. You are not changed by people who agree with you all the time. Your marriage doesn't get better just because you and your spouse agree all the time. Your marriage gets better. Your relationships get better as a result of differences, as a result of being challenged. Can you imagine Jesus trying to manage this group of men? In fact, can you imagine these group of men having to learn to get along with each other? Now you say, Pastor Ray, what does any of that have to do with being a bonsai? Let me break it down for you. Did we get a picture of that bonsai? Thank you so much. Uh, I almost bought a bonsai tree to help illustrate the point. Uh, uh, but, yeah, when I talked to the dude, anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I will explain why I didn't buy the bonsai. But let's put a picture of the bonsai tree. You guys know what a bonsai tree is. That bonsai tree, which I think is a Chinese elm. Is that a Chinese elm? Pastor got skills. I just peeped it. I just looked at it two seconds. Don't worry. No, let's go back. I, let's call it a Chinese elm. That, yes, that bonsai tree started with the exact same seed as every other Chinese elm, which when they are fully mature can grow to over eight feet tall. Same seed. Started the same way. Same genetic makeup, same size, but that bonsai tree only grows to be a few, well, a little bit over two feet. But inherently, it has the capacity to grow to 18 feet. Now, let me tell you why that bonsai tree is limited why the growth of that bonsai tree is stunted. 
Number one, because it's potted. I thought you were going to drop something heavy on me. No, it's heavy. Because most of us have potted relationships that are confined to this small little box, this small little square. And we are so unwilling to go outside of our box that we'd rather live in our box and be stunted in our growth than risk going out of our comfort zone and experience full maturity. Because that tree was never intended to be planted in a tiny pot. Can I say this? The more shallow your roots. Man, I don't, y'all finish it for me. And that's what most of us have resorted to. We have resorted to tiny little pots that stunt our growth. Uh, here's, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing about bonsais. Because they are in such a small pot, they require constant care and attention. Because that tree was created to suck up moisture from the soil, not from a tiny little pot. So the moment you start to spray and water that bonsai tree, you're going to have to come right back and spray it again because it consumes everything it's given because it is designed to consume a lot of water. So as soon as you, you spray it, the moisture goes. You got to come. Anybody remember Mr. Miyagi? Bonsai tree. Let me tell you the first problem. Again, the first problem is the size of your pot. I'm talking about squad goals. How big is your pot? How big is the pot that you have planted yourself in? Is it so small that only people who think like you, look like you, talk like you, dress like you can fit into it? And therefore, your growth has become stunted? And most of us don't even realize it. Because most of us like the cute tree. But we don't realize that that tree is living far below its God-intended potential. And so everybody talking about, oh, 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 this is the cute tree. Oh, cute tree, cute tree. Nah, you're supposed to be 18 feet tall, bruh. And year after year, you still look the same, still sound the same. You ain't grown an inch. You know why? Because your pot is too small. Uh, so the bonsai tree, let me tell you, first thing, small pot. Second thing, constant maintenance. The reason I didn't buy that tree was I didn't have time to be spraying a tree every hour. So I said, instead of buying that tree, because I thought it was going to look real cute right here, baby. I said, let's put the, because I didn't want to, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it can go up to $6,000. Up to 6000 but there's some around here for about $40. I'm going to get you the $40 version. And, uh, but I thought, what am I going to do with that bonsai tree after I leave church? I don't want to do Anybody got some high-maintenance friends that just require your attention? Require, I mean, just drain the life out of you. If, in fact, if you're the kind of person who constantly needs attention from others, you could be a bonsai tree. If you constantly need people to push you up and tell you how cute you are, to lift you up and... And just shower you with praise, you could be a bonsai. And the reason you're a bonsai, and the reason you need all that attention and affection is because you're part too small. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, uh, the third thing about bonsai trees is they experience something called root binding, which also stunts their growth. Because under the surface, what you can't see is in that pot, instead of the roots of the bonsai tree growing outward, and searching for water, because the pot is so small, this is so good, the roots of the bonsai tree grow in circular formation. I'm telling you, if you're in a place in your life, you groan, but it just seems like you're going in circles. You and your friends, man, just on this constant merry-go-round, still doing the same stuff you were doing five years ago. Still thinking the same way you thought five years ago. Still talking the same way you talked five years ago. You could be experiencing root binding because your pot too small. 
This is not only true for the bonsai tree, it's even true for, for, for um, what's the fish? The koi, koi, koi fish. A koi fish can grow up to 36 inches, up to three feet. But it will grow to the size of the, 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 the pond or the water or the pool that you put it in. So if you put a koi fish in a small enclosed space, it will only grow to the size that it will, it will be allowed to swim in. Yet the potential of that fish is to grow 36 inches. And most of our relationships have become bonsai relationships. We're experiencing root binding because a pot's too small. Jesus said, I'm going to choose my dream team, and it's going to be imperfect people who don't think like me, who don't act like me. But check this out. After spending time with me, listen to me now, after spending time with me, their lives are going to be transformed. But most of us have relationships built on what people can do for us. See what I'm saying? Don't be a bonsai. Now, here's the third thing, or fourth thing. I'm just going off the dome. It's probably the eighth thing, right? Uh, listen to this. Y'all ready for this? This is, this is a, an incredible phenomenon in agriculture or in horticulture, right? This bonsai tree lives in isolation. But nothing God created was created to live in isolation. In fact, nothing God created as far as plants and trees were intended to be potted. Potted plants is a man-made thing. God created plants and trees to exist in an ecosystem. But this is what we did, okay? This is what we did. We moved away from polyculture to what's called monoculture, where everybody plants seeds that are exactly the same. And because we planted seeds that are exactly the same, this is what's happened. Those seeds, this is incredible, because those seeds now, those plants have become susceptible to disease. So we resort to pesticides to control the pests and to control the disease. They did a study recently in China where they took rice seeds, but they didn't plant all the same rice seeds. They, plant all they planted all different varieties of rice. The productivity went up by 84% when they took those rice seeds and planted different kinds of rice seeds. It went up by 84% and the disease went down by 94%. Could it be some of the problems that we're experiencing in our relationships? It's because everybody around me is the same and it's causing disease when the very solution to better relationships is allowing my life to be filled with people who are different than me and it will help me get a new appreciation for how they see the world, and how they think. That's how Jesus built his squad. Baby, go ahead and jump in, and then I'll finish it up. Well, especially to the young people, uh, don't hear that, oh, you just let everybody be your friend. Notice that the caveat, the most important thing was Jesus picked people that he could influence. And there are people that we can influence, but there are also people that can influence us. So if people are living completely contrary to what is your moral and your uh, character standard, then you can be nice and you can be cordial, but they may not be in your squad. And so that was something that's been um, important to just think about, okay, this person, can I be a help to them? Are they a Peter times two that can't receive any input mm. and if you can't have a, a direct influence then sometimes you just can be cordial also as I noticed in my life especially uh young is I didn't give any thought about having friends mm. I, d I wasn't intentional about well who could be my friend and who couldn't I just you know, we liked each other and we just had fun. And so that was okay. And so I just encourage you to be intentional about the people that are in your circle 
And there can be people that you can influence. I told you all about my friend last week. We actually had that cut out. But my friend, we have um, different answers to crisis. And so, but she's still my road dog. And that was a friend at 11 o'clock last night. She's texting me. I'm thinking about you, Wendy Boo. I love you. How are things going? And so she wasn't the first one that I called when everything went down because I didn't want her to, you know, resort to a vice just being uptight for me because she does love us, but she's still my girl. And so, and I can still have a positive influence on her. And she does have a positive influence on me. I can celebrate. She's doing some things in her city um, for domestic violence and for women who are uh, under protective watch beyond just the shelter. I mean, she is making it happen. I am so proud of her. And so when we're thinking about friends, first of all, you said it earlier, be intentional. I just kind of floated through life and just wasn't really intentional. Um, And then you have friends. I think it is okay. You're not saying get rid of all the friends that are like you. No, no, no. No, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Even I believe it is Acts 20 and 10. It says, and they were with their own company. So it is comforting. You do need people that are like you, that can support you, that there's little conflict with. But what I also hear you saying is when conflict arises, don't throw away those friends. And that has been something that I didn't manage very well. I just thought, if there's conflict, I just never really knew how to navigate conflict. So I just thought, oh, if it's conflict, I wasn't trying to throw the friend away, but I was just not wanting to be in the conflict. I don't think I was ever thinking, oh, I don't want you to tell me about myself. It was just like, oh, this is weird. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And so then you kind of drift apart. And so I have learned as a good result of being married to you and uh, through your support, just how to navigate relationships better, that conflict is not bad. And when someone says, oh, I don't like it, they're not saying, I don't like you. It's not personal. They're just saying, you know, I look at it differently. I feel differently about it. And so if conflict arises, just realize, okay, this situation may not be the hill I want to die on, but I want to preserve the relationship. I had a girlfriend not too long ago. You all know I make soap. She said, hey, let's go into business together. She's an entrepreneur. Her husband owns a barbershop. She's owned a couple of salons. We went out to Shell Shack over crab legs. This was a serious business meeting. She said, let's go into business together. I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) And she's like, why? We would do good. I was like, "Mm mm-mm, I want to be friends. I just I, I just want to be friends. I don't, mm-mm, because I've got little quirkiness about me. And then, you know, I had gone to, the bathroom was not clean at one of the salons she had. So I'm thinking, mm-mm, <laughs> no. Because then I would be stuck cleaning the bathroom because that's an issue for me. And then you can't have, like, a dirty bathroom and you're trying to sell soap. And I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> I just want to be friends. And she's like, are you serious? I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And we have crab legs at least twice a year, and we are still friends, but we will not do business together. She called me the other day. She heard about the the Oma, and she's like, oh, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. She's like, this will be good for your business. I was like, girl, that is so great. Mm -mm." (laughs) Mm-mm. No, I just want to be friends. And so I knew enough to just say no this week because – we do get along real well, but when you, it's one thing to go and visit somebody, it's another thing to get in the bed with them, and so I'm like, no, so you just kind of have to pick your squad, another thing is when we go to Maryland, we're like auntie and uncle, we go and speak for Bishop, and people always love us, you won't believe the women, they contact me on Facebook, oh, I want you to be my mentor, I'm like, no, you don't. Because you don't even know me like that. You think, oh, because I come in and I'm looking cute and we just, ah, we're preaching and we go home. They think, oh, you're so wonderful. I'm like, no, because I'm being auntie then. Auntie and mama are two different things. Aunties get all the love. Mama, maybe not so much. And so out of all those women for all these years, there is just one 
who still contacts me and we're still and when she contacted me and said hey I want you to be my mentor I was like we're going to talk to Pastor Chris about it and I called my pastor hey Pastor Chris this young lady says she wants me to mentor her this is what I said I want you to know and I told her that we cannot speak if she's not coming to church and coming to Bible study sometimes you do need that anonymous person that you want to talk to but I am under authority so in the squad my relationship with her, we're not buddy-buddy. She's got a pastor and a pastor's wife in women's ministry that she needs to attend. If she has a, just a random question, then we can answer it. But you know what we generally talk about? Just things going on in the world. Because I told her we couldn't speak unless she was connected to her church. Now that she's connected to the church, she doesn't even need me. And it's a, a great relationship. So, again, in squad, she's not my three, my 12. She's a, among the 70 and so it's like, how, how are you doing? How's the baby doing? We talk about, you know, her daughter, if she's got a cold or something going on. But even my squad is Bishop and Pastor Chris. I'm not going to get so filled with pride. Oh, she wants to talk to me and have things out of order. So I know that your sermon was so good. I just was making up stuff to talk about. No, that was good. And so, <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. What that good? To do with the message, but <laughs> all right. So this is where we're going to wrap up. This is where we're going to wrap up. You you hit the nail on the head because this is where we're going to close. All right. Uh, don't give up on hard relationships. Jesus could have given up on Peter when he denied him for the third time. In fact, it said the third time. That's when he cussed. Jesus could have said, "Man, it's over, dude. It's a wrap. I can't count on you when I need you." But notice who he made head of the church at Jerusalem. He didn't only restore Peter, but he put him in charge of the company that he left behind that's still going 2,000 years later. Can we do relationships uh, in a way that people who are different from us, who sometimes challenge us, uh, uh, that we don't, we, don't, we don't write them off because of their problems now, but we keep them in our lives because we see their problems potential beyond this moment fight for the relationship what most of us do is this uh, uh, bonsai from time to time you have to repot it the problem with repot and that's what we do with relationships i don't like this pot no more so i'm gonna find me a new pot let me tell you what uh horticulturalists culturists do before they repot a bonsai y'all ready for this and I'm talking to you. If you feel your pot that you're in right now is too small, before you get out the pot, before you get out the pot, first thing they do is they make sure that the tree is healthy. Some of us jump in from pot to pot, but you're a sick tree. Uh, Second thing they do, after you take the bonsai out, you must prune a third of the tree. Listen to what I'm saying. Just because you change pots, Lord have mercy, just because you change pots doesn't necessarily mean that it gets easier. Once you get to that new pot, the first thing you'll do is cut you back. And that's what most of us don't realize. We go to this new relationship, and it was harder than the relationship we left because the first thing that happens is that bonsai must be pruned by a third. Are y'all listening to me? Here's the last one. Got to look at my notes. I forgot what the first one was. <laughs> Man, I was trying to play it off, and, but it wasn't coming back. Ooh, here it is. 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 <laughs> I was trying to play it off, man, but I forgot. Uh, number one, make sure it's healthy. Number two, uh, you're going to lose a third. But here's the third thing. If you're the kind of person who insists on jumping from pot to pot, every time a bonsai is repotted, y'all ready for this? It loses 95% of its root system. So for those of us who think, if I could just jump out this pot and get to another pot, it would be easier, consider 
what you will lose in the process. See, Jesus was committed to these 12 guys, even the ones that doubted him, even the ones with anger issues, because he saw beyond their problems to their potential. All I'm asking you to do, all I'm asking you to do is maybe rethink how you've been doing relationships and say, you know, I've had this really shallow, selfish, self-serving box and only certain people can get in this box with me. But notice all the things that we forfeit as a result of that because our lives were intended to be so much richer and most of us settle for a 24-inch life where we could have an 18-foot scope of influence. That's the way Jesus did it. And my prayer is that as a church and in how you do relationships, you would begin to rethink and say, man, am I a bonsai? <laughs> because if I am, maybe it's time for me to make that change so that I can be the 18-foot tree that God intended for me to be. And it starts with who I choose to do life with, not just living in unison, but living in harmony, living in unity. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that today you will help us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.